This episode was brought to you by Pod People Productions. To find more episodes of this show and others, please visit podpeople.me. It's podcasts for the weird at heart. You're listening to Keep Screaming, a horror podcast from two best friends dissecting horror movies one by one. My name is Ryan Larson. And my name is B-Bass. Every two weeks, we will bring you a brand new episode where we dissect a slasher film from top to bottom. We will look at the movie as a whole, going over the story, the casting, music choices, go kill by kill, and then rank it on how it succeeds as a slasher film. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at ScreamingCast or by searching Keep Screaming. You can find me at B not B, that's B-E-E, not B-E-A, and Ryan at Ryan Larson. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and Castbox, or online at podpeople.me or keepscreaming.com. This week we are dissecting 2009 Sorority Row, directed by Stuart Hindler. But first, our pop culture check-in. For new listeners, our pop culture check-in is a chance for you to get to know what we've been watching, reading, and consuming outside of our movie this week, as well as life updates. Uh, it's my birthday. Happy birthday! Yeah, I turned 31 today, so... This exact day. Yeah, it's actually... Yeah, you'll hear this... We're recording one day before it goes up, but, uh, yeah, so when you hear this, yesterday was my birthday, so, um, I am... I mean, I understand that when you're in your 30s, you're in your 30s, but, like, I'm in the 30s now. I was thinking about that today. Yeah. I didn't tell you, because, one, I knew you already knew that, but yeah. I was like, yeah, like, when you're 30, that's, like, its own age. Yeah. It's, like its own bracket but yeah. now it's like i'm in my 30s yep. yeah because yeah. you don't like when you're 30 i feel like you just say like oh, i'm 30 yeah. but then when you're in your 30s you're like oh, i'm in my 30s so. right you stop being specific yeah so i'm in my 30s i kick off um in our friend group we have like a run of birthdays we have like basically no summer birthdays yep and then i kick off kind of the run of them and it's like every couple weeks from here through the end of like January? No, February. I mean, yeah, February. We have yeah. um, birthdays like pretty much every couple weeks. Yeah, and he started it off. We're yeah. officially in our birthday season. Yeah, so we in October four, no two in October, three in November, two in December, two in January, one in February. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. It is. It's a lot of money. <laughs> Um, it's a lot of weekends dedicated it's, to it's, celebrating yeah, no, the birth so of people. it's so many weekends. Yeah, you lose a lot of a lot of weekends. Uh, yeah, we kept it pretty low key this year. We got together last night and drank some beer and played uh, Nintendo Switch. And then today we just I we just watched football. We yeah. out and I just wanted to see Liam and um, my goddaughter Cohen, who was born a week ago. Yeah. So. I got to see both of them today, and that's all I really wanted. So it was a successful, very low-key birthday. Still got drunk. Yeah, it was yeah, fun. But yeah, I didn't get drunk, but I definitely had fun. No, it was it was definitely fun. It was very nice. Um, so yeah, that was the big that was our big week thing. And then you know, like like we said, every every couple of weeks, Bee's birthday's in January, so we'll get there. She's yeah. one of the last. She's on the, the I'm end on the very of it. tail yeah. end. She's also not even 30 yet, so... Nope. Yeah, she's the young I got a few years. I know. I was actually just thinking about that, too. Like, I was... It was... 
on Saturday when I was, while I was at work, I was thinking like, well, da, 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 like kicking off. Oh, I'm in my thirties. I was like, fucking B's not even thirty yet. And no. I was like, what are we gonna do for your? Because like you know, thirty is kind of a big one. I'm like, man, what are we gonna do when we get to B's? And then, I mean, Gina's not thirty yet. No. Kate's not thirty yet. I don't think Ron's not no. thirty yet. Gina yeah. so we got a lot and of, Ron will turn thirty next year, yeah. and then Kate and I will turn thirty the year after that. We're about to turn twenty eight. Jesus. Cool. I'll be yeah. well into my thirties by then. Yes, Ryan. We have always had the same age difference. I know. It's just, it's never changed. I know. It's just remember so weird, when yeah. I was sixteen. Yeah. And you were nineteen. Yeah. And it was like creepy. <laughs> my, Thanks. No, my husband. We were just talking about like age differences last night, oh, and yeah. we're I'm only like three years apart um, from like Ryan and my husband, like a little bit more than three years, but not by much. And my first birthday with my husband, I was turning 20. That's the first birthday we celebrated. And on, like, a couple days before my birthday, he just looks at me and he's like, I'm so excited for your birthday. And I'm like, oh, yeah, are you? He's like, yeah, because then I won't be dating a teenager anymore. And I'm like, thanks, babe. He's like, I don't like it. It's weird. I'm like, oh, my God. He's like, yeah, it's just I'll be happy when you're not a teenager. Yeah. No, it's that's I can understand. Yeah. And now we're old, old and gray together. Yeah, Liam will be two. When I turn thirty. Yeah. Yeah, I will have a two-year-old. Yeah, I know that's and crazy. Well, possibly. That's what I was thinking. I'm like, my luck. I'm gonna be fucking pregnant on my thirtieth birthday. With your luck, yes, uh-huh. you will. Yeah, probably. We'll find out. A couple years to go. Stay tuned. Yeah, I know you're on the edge of your seat. Um, so I did not watch a whole lot this week in particular, but a bunch of things that I watched in the past that I wasn't allowed to talk about, um, the embargo was lifted, so I can actually talk about. Because yeah, um, Ryan's fancy, and he gets screeners, and so for all of you people who are not actually in the film world, that means that he gets access to films before they come out, so that he can review them, but you cannot talk about them until the movie has come out mm-hmm. or it's in like it's promotion week. Yeah. And so he'll watch something and then not be able to say anything out in the public sometimes for a month or two. Yeah. yeah. Um, if you guys follow me on Letterboxd though, you can see what movies I'm watching because I log them no matter what, um, even if they're embargoed because I'm not reviewing them. Um, so... I don't know what my letterbox is, though. Sorry. Yeah, he doesn't know how to use it. He uses it improperly. Don't follow him because it will bug I started you. using it right okay. since you showed me. Good. Um, you. Yeah. So there's a couple things. Uh, I mean, so it's... it's I mean, we're almost in October, so that means it's also festival season. Like, uh, Fantastic Fest just happened. Beyond Fest is happening. Um, so, like, it is the genre festival season. Um, and it's also October. It's spooky season. Uh, like, all the shit is dropping. Spooky season. So excited. <laughs> so, that was a beautiful song. Thanks. You're welcome. I'll sing it to you every day. Thank you. I hope you call me every day just to sing <laughs> yeah, it to me. Yeah, I will. Um, but there's lots of cool stuff coming out. So, Bliss is, uh, so Joe Bagos is, like, an indie horror director. Um, he did The Mind's Eye. He did Almost Human um he's very like lo-fi it feels very like gritty and real like very almost like handheld but not like the quality of a handheld movie um it's very like gorilla punk rock um filmmaking and i love all of his stuff but his newest movie is called bliss which is a vampire movie i 
I think it is must watch. I, it is very, very good. Uh, it's out on VOD right now, so you guys can check it out. Um, basically, it is about an artist who lives a very like pretty hedonistic lifestyle, um, has a lot of sex, does a lot of drugs, drinks a lot of booze, and like that's how she creates her art. Um, and then she one night does a particular branch she snorts a particular like strain of coke called bliss and she gets turned into a vampire while she's on it and basically it creates like the mixture of the two creates this addiction that is like much more powerful than even like a normal vampire addiction um and it kind of just makes her entire life spiral it's pretty interesting because instead of like the kind of normal vampire flick you get where it's someone who's like kind of coming to terms with a lifestyle or like facing and like or with it we do have a lot of vampire movies that it's like it's about the bloodthirst and and like how to stave that off but this is really about like she can't like she consistently like constantly has to be drinking because she's addicted to it um and and it's a very different very wild like psychotropic fucking movie um there's cre like there's some really crazy scenes in it um and it's got a lot of um uh like horror um regulars and like the more like indie horror scene like graham skipper's in it and um jeremy gardner's in it so it's really good uh i highly 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 recommend it because i think it's every like vampires is one of my favorite genres and um, I don't think we get a, a whole lot of vampire movies. We'll go through phases. Uh, but yeah. it's been a while, I think, since I've seen a vampire well, movie. Well, yeah, because people had, like, vampire fatigue after Twilight. Twilight and yeah. so... I really liked 30 Days a Night. I remember that being one of the more modern ones I really enjoyed. Yeah, but, I love that movie. Yeah. I And it's funny that, like, Twilight fatigue was a thing because I still don't feel like there was really that many vampire movies that came out. I feel like there's just, like, a lot of vampire... Like well, Vampire fiction? Diaries came out right around the yeah, same time, too. Yeah, which was awesome. Yeah. Um, but, like, people got burned on, like, romantic vampires. Yeah. And then, like, we just didn't see the turn. Because we've seen it happen a bunch of times in, like, vampire lore. Like, we see the, like, Victorian-style vampire. And then we've also seen, like, more modern takes. And mm -hmm. it kind of moves in, like, cycles. So I hope this is a trend towards, like, the more savage, like, visceral stuff. Um, also, it would be great if we get some werewolf movies in there. So that'd be super cool. Oh, like, yeah, I know. That, that we never have enough werewolf movies. No. Um, also, Creepshow, the TV show came out based on um, the Creepshow movies that are notoriously um, created by Stephen King and George Romero when they work together. It's like, a, they're basically, like, very easy comics themed. Um, you know, it's shorts. The creeps, the original creep shows were anthologies, so each of the episodes is two shorts. Um, the first episode is up on Shutter, and they're releasing one episode every week through Halloween, which is awesome. They did that on purpose to give all like to give us horror fans a spooky show all the way through to Halloween. Um, Greg Nicotero is doing it. If you guys don't know Greg Nicotero, he is the um, special effects for The Walking Dead, and he was also basically trained under George Romero. Um, he has, he's like the showrunner. He directed the first episode. He um, designed the creep for it. It's really really fun. It's super true to the original um, like the original series. Um, they are tapping all sorts of crazy good talent for it. Um, the first the first segment is based on a short by Stephen King. Um, it stars Tobin Bell, Adrian Barbeau, um, Giancarlo Esposito. So some very talented actors. 
and and that one and then the second short is um written by the guy who wrote bird box i keep forgetting his name it's josh mallerman um and it's a much more like subtle but still very tonally creep show type of short and it's very very like um unsettling um but also they're they they both like feel like they're those old school ec comics it's kind of like twilight if twilight zone was like really heavy on like comic book like pop it like pops a little more like pop culture ish um but it's it's fantastic if you're not subscribed to shutter already i don't know what you're doing it's five bucks a month and it it's it often gets described as like the netflix of horror but it's way better because it's actually handpicked curated um by like really passionate horror fans and they've just started doing like creep show the, the acquiring original content and they're also producing their own content um and creep show i believe is fingoria i think fingoria is involved somehow fingoria is definitely doing a podcast called the creep show show which is really cool um that you need to watch the episodes and then they dive into the easter eggs and everything and then b and i um can talk about it now we actually watched um three from hell the new rub zombie movie which is the last of his um like house of a thousand corpses double rejects um firefly family yeah series yeah also um rest in peace said hey so yeah. we lost said hey this week so um major bummer he was really, a huge really sad yeah he was he's been <sighs> been in the genre forever he's been acting forever like if you go back and look i mean he's been acting since like the 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 60s probably maybe yeah his credits go back so he's been in it for decades yeah 1960 is when he started um so very 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 talented um actor um who's just been around in everything forever i know he's like he popped up in james bond movies and um he started really doing like genre stuff um i mean back back even with spider baby but rob zombie really brought him back into the spotlight with house of a thousand corpses and he you know it's cool because he sometimes we don't get a lot of contempt like well not even sometimes we just we have such established horror icons there's not a lot of contemporary horror icons like we we do get them occasionally and it's awesome when we do like you know sam from trick-or-treat has definitely made his way into the pantheon of like horror greats but captain spaulding is definitely one of those mm-hmm. characters as well and it's def it was definitely sid higgs very vibrant um portrayal of that character but three from hell picks up um i think it's like 10 years after devil's rejects and um, it kind of explains away the ending of Devil's Rejects. We find out that Spalding, Baby, and Otis are all in prison. Um, and this isn't a spoiler. It happens in, like, the first five minutes. Um, and, like, he's not even on the poster. Like, Spalding is executed, and the mm-hmm. other two escape from prison. And it's kind of about that escape. Um, they go down to Mexico with a new member of the Firefly family. Um, Richard Brake um, plays um, Otis's half-brother. What is his name in it? Uh, yeah, Winslow Fox Foxworth Coltrane. They just call him Foxy. Um, I really liked it. Uh, my reviews up on Ghastly Gritting, and B and I both really liked it. We thought it was. We mostly like Rob Zombie. Um, his Halloween has soured on me a little bit, and with time, but like I mostly like Rob Zombie flicks. I mean, he definitely has a style, and if you don't like that style, you're not gonna like his stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought this was 
fit in tonally with the other two, like its predecessors, but it felt a little more fun, which is a weird thing to say because it's a very violent, like, brutal movie, but it just... It is fun, though. It is fun, yeah. yeah. Like, the the it's... characters have really good chemistry together. Um, there's a lot of, like, kind of whimsical stuff, especially once they get to Mexico. Um, it feels very, like, Grindhouse, which mm-hmm. I enjoy. Um, and it's weird because B and I both watch it, and we're like, oh, I really like, like, I think that I like that the most out of all of them. And then uh, my buddy Jerry, who literally has a tattoo of the rejects on his chest, was like super nervous to watch it and he loved it too so we were thinking like oh like people are really gonna like this and it got kind of tore up in the reviews like a lot of the horror world was not into it at all like what is going on what is this and yeah it's like ryan said it's it's different it's what i really liked about it is we the whole time i didn't quite know where they were going with Mm -hmm, it mm -hmm. so there's multiple times where i'm like looking i'm like okay this is one movie and then it was kind of another movie. And sometimes that could be bad, where you're going like, all right, this film has no direction. It's But it worked in this instance, mm-hmm. where we're really... These characters are, like, so, like, hyperbolic and insane mm-hmm. and, like, off the page unreal. And so to have sort of this storyline that just really did... The other ones... The other two just feel a lot more gritty and way more like Texas Chainsaw yep. inspired and yeah. a little less of their own thing. And and like Ryan said, they they're Rob Zombie flicks. So it's it's not like they're not original, but they they feel like they exist in horror. Mm-hmm. They feel like they fit in with that type of sort of backwoods scary. Yeah. Uh, you're going to get fucked up by this like backwoods character kind of archetype where this movie doesn't feel like it fits into that and it doesn't fit into like the horror world and that's why i thought it was really successful yeah because it felt like its own thing yeah like the word i used to describe it was untethered yeah which sometimes like b-side can be bad but i thought it worked because the family is it, it frenetic works because and crazy. of these yeah. characters yeah, yeah exactly so if it wasn't these characters yes yeah. so every decision that they make you're like whoa okay i mean yeah if this is something this would happen yeah because i don't expect these people to make rational logical no. decisions no. so i did not mind when like things start going crazy or moving in these directions that would normally be like where is this going but i did i ended up not minding it at all yeah i thought it was a lot of fun i thought it was well acted um well directed um i really enjoyed the new characters and i just yeah i just had a lot of fun with it while it's still being like fucked up and brutal and Mm -hmm. um it has like multiple showdown scenes Mm -hmm. like in the different scenarios that they sort of find themselves in yeah it definitely feels like two different movies, but not in a bad way. Yeah. Like, it's just a continuation of these characters, and it's like, okay, that was one adventure with them, and now here's another. Yeah. Well, I feel like they kind of had to explain away the Devil's Reject situation mm-hmm. and how that ended, so they do that, and then really gets into the movie I think Rob wanted to make. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think, I yeah, I really enjoyed it, and I'm not like... A diehard Rob Zombie. I really like him, um, but I definitely not somebody who I'm like a diehard fan of. So yeah, it's funny. I was expecting to see more 
more praise for it. I mean, I knew it was going to be divisive. Oh, yeah. But I feel like I've seen very little positive. I feel like it was me and Jerry. Right. That was pretty yeah. much it. Um, but, I mean, it did well enough. I know they expanded its theatrical, which is cool because Saban kind of just dumped it. Um, yeah. But, like, horror fans are rapid, man. So, yeah, if you um, like Joe Rogan, I know some people can't handle him, but he has an awesome interview with Rob Zombie. Um, so, if you go to Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan's podcast, The Joe Rogan Experience, he has like a three hour interview with Rob Zombie. And it's really awesome to listen to. He's a massive, massive fan of the genre and actually wanted to create films first that's always been his passion mm-hmm. he stumbled he didn't stumble into music but kind of his band got successful that's yeah. what happened um and then he used that success to do what he really wanted to do which would make movies um he just seems like such an awesome guy and he does he just loves the genre you know like, he's, he a true he's a true fan. fan yeah and so it's really awesome to just hear him talk about it and um joe rogan asked him some really awesome questions um so yeah. That. No, I got to interview Richard Brake for it, and so that's also up at GhastlyGrinning.com. But um, I asked him, you know, what's it like working with Rob Zombie? And and Richard Brake just, I mean, it's telling when he says, I've worked with Christopher Nolan, Martin Scorsese, um, like uh, Darabont, Frank Darabont. Like, he's just written, naming off this, like, murderer's row of directors. And, and then he's like, and, you know... Rob's still my favorite person to work with because he Richard Brake's done a couple movies with him now. So, yeah, I I very much enjoy seeing what Rob Zombie does with movies, even if I don't like them all. Um, B watched TV. TV. Oh my goodness, just trying to stay on brand here. Um, fair warning, my commitment to not rewatching movies will end because we are in spooky season. Yep. So, I um, I will be embracing all of my favorites. Sorry, so, Brennan. Yeah. We're gonna watch Hocus Pocus and Trick or Treat and Scream and Halloween. Yeah, all of them. Um, which yeah, we also watched most of H two O last night. Oh, Speaking yeah. of spooky season. Um. But, so, I won't probably have a ton of new movies to report on, but of course I gotta keep up with the buzzy shows. So, I watched, um, it's not fully out yet, but Becoming a God in Central Florida, which is a new Showtime show that actually, it's tailing out, I think there's six out of ten episodes out, um, just got renewed for a second season, which is awesome. Um, so it's a dark comedy with, uh, starring Kirsten Dunst, it's placed in, like, a small town in... Um, Florida in the 1990s, so it's like a really ridiculous, you know, quote-unquote period piece. Right. I mean, it is, but it's always weird when those period pieces are the 90s. It's another sign we're getting old. Yep. Um, so Kristen Dunst plays Crystal Stubbs, who's like a working at a water park, and her husband is working for this like period scheme and company, company called FAM, and... In the first episode, we kind of just see, like, how he works, you know, like, a good-paying job and supports the family. Like, they have a baby, but he's sort of had his life taken over by this pyramid scheme company that's very cult-like. And he's, like, listening to these tapes. Um, and so, it's... it's Alexander Skarsgård plays her husband, and it's insane it's so well acted and it's so weird and six episodes in it's definitely 
going into a direction I did not expect after watching the first episode at all. Um, it's really dark and weird, and I mean, this is the best I've ever seen Kirsten Dunst. Um, she's spectacular in it, and really playing, I mean, she's just a woman in, like, the worst situation possible, and she's using, it's really interesting because she uses her looks to manipulate a lot of characters sort of in protest of the way that this pyramid scheme is manipulating all of these men as well. Very interesting. Um, I'm super curious to see where it goes, um, but we'll see. I definitely worth watching and checking out. Um, then I also watched the new Netflix show called Unbelievable, um, which the whole season dropped last week or something. So it's created by um, Susanna Grant and Michael Chapon and Eilat Waldman. Um, Susanna Grant's like uber famous for doing like Pocahontas and Aaron Brockovich and Ever After and a bunch of movies like that. And uh, Michael Chabon wrote Spider-Man 2 and John Carter. Um, and so, I mean, these are just definitely people who've been in the industry for a long time. Um, it's, Plus it's got fucking Tony Collette. Yeah, so Tony Collette stars in it, um, and she's a national treasure, and I forever love her. I honestly, truly feel like she is the next Meryl Streep. Yeah. Like, that kind of level. Yeah, she's spectacular. She's so good. I, I mean, I can't think of a movie that, even as a kid, like, I was, I don't young when that movie In Her Shoes came out, which I actually think Susanna Grant did, um... And I just remember, like, falling in love with that. And that is, like, a very, like, adult, serious film that, like, a 13-year-old shouldn't, like, be in love with. But I was. Because um, she's just that captivating, always. Um, Caitlin Dever, um, one of the daughters from Last Man Standing. Um, also in uh, Booksmart. Uh, yeah, she's in Booksmart. Uh, she also stars. And then the other lead is Merritt Weaver. Um I haven't seen Nurse Jackie, but she's Zoe in that show, which I think is what she's most famous for. I personally know her as Elizabeth um, from New Girl. Elizabeth. Who I always really liked. It was Schmidt's ex-girlfriend. Oh. They get back together yes. for a while. Yeah. Um, and I always really liked that character in New Girl. But, I mean, these three women are amazing. Um, I didn't know when I started it that it's based on a true story. Um, so it's a true story of a teenager who was charged with lying about having been, been raped. And these two female detectives who sort of stumble upon this case and work together to try and figure out what happened. So we're getting the point of view from Caitlin Dever, who is, you know, Marie, the girl who, you know, was charged for lying about her rape and then these two detectives who are investigating a separate rape um i would say if you can get the first episode's extremely triggering Mm -hmm. um i did not like it i didn't know if i would and tony collette's also not in that episode um it's it's what kicks it off i don't particularly enjoy how they handled it because they do show it's um, it's not extremely graphic, but it definitely, um, if you've had any kind of situation like that happen or even not, it's really uncomfortable to see because they show a little bit more than 
would have liked them to. Um, I would say you could probably just read the synopsis and skip it so you could see the rest of the show because none of the none of the other episodes really show anything else. They kind of just throw in all of that horrible sick stuff in the first episode and then slightly sprinkled in the rest of it. But anywho, spectacular. It's I mean it's it's a mini series. That's it. It's just one story. Um incredibly well done. Incredibly directed, acted like everything. It was spectacular. A really spectacular piece of TV and why and, and a perfect example for why I love TV and especially mini series like this How where many episodes 6 8 um 8 I think um where it would be really hard this is a prime candidate for a movie but it would be really hard to be able to tell the story of these three women in that small format and so this is the perfect way to do that and you just get so much more out of it by having this time with them um and they really do the story justice, and I think it's an important story that needed to be told. Timely, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so definitely watch that on Netflix, for sure. I'm interested in both series. Yeah, they're both, yeah. I mean, high recommendations for me, for sure. Um, Becoming a God in Central Florida is definitely not, like, up to the caliber that Unbelievable is, but it's still... A, spectacular television we're spoiled right now like the golden age just continues on and on and there's so much content to watch um but i definitely think that these two are are worthy of your time you got to pick and choose in this time and i definitely think these are ones that are worth choosing yeah so with that said that's what we were up to um we covered Sorority Row from 2009. Yeah, we our last episode was The House on Sorority Row. So this is the, um, what what's the company that made it? Summit? Sum, yeah, this is the Summit remake. Yeah, um, back when they were doing all that shit. Yeah, it was like the, it's the tail end of the remake craze. Yeah. Um, it was originally titled, titled Solidarity, which I like. I like um, it, but also weird that you would take a movie that already has a name and remake it and then... Like Sorority Row, taking it from the house on Sorority Row to Sorority Row makes sense. But if you were to be like, yeah, Solidarity, the remake of the house on Sorority Row, you'd be like, oh, what? Yeah, you'd only want Solidarity if you were trying to not make it super obvious that it was a remake. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So at some point they made the decision that they wanted people to know or wanted to have that familiarity. Because house on Sorority Row is not that well known. No. But it's like, to me, it's kind of like... How disturbing is Rear Window? But right. it's like also very different. Yeah. I mean, I guess this could have been it because it is very different. Uh-huh. But um, yeah, still, I don't know. I thought that was strange. But I like when taking into account the plot of this film oh, and absolutely. the relationship yeah. between the girls and the theme of that. I like this it title fits. a lot. Yeah, and it doesn't it's sound really weird and churchy like uh, House of Seven Sorry. Sisters. Seven Sisters. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the synopsis is similar. Of course, but um, it is a little different. A sorority prank gone wrong leads to a bloody murder spree in the slasher film featuring Rumor Willis, Audrina Partridge. Patridge. She's not a Partridge. Right, Patridge. If you don't remember her, she's from The The Hills. Hills. Uh, And Carrie Fisher, R.I.P. It was supposed to be a practical joke, 
but no one was laughing after a girl in the prime of her life had been accidentally murdered. Desperate to go on with their lives and avoid taking responsibility for their actions, the surviving sisters and their male accomplice agreed to dump the body and never speak of the incident again. Just after graduation, however, a mysterious killer begins stalking everyone who harbors the bloody secret, leading the survivors to fight for their lives against a masked maniac with a deadly modus operandi. Uh, released September 11th, 2009. It was a wide release. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this was a big deal. It was uh, made for 12.5. It made worldwide 27. Barely breaking yeah. even. It was not a smash hit. No, not at all. Um, reception, very typical. 24% uh, on Rotten Tomatoes. The consensus is, though it's slick and stylish, Sorority Row offers nothing new to the slasher genre and misses the mark both in its attempt at humor and thrills. I think we should play a game on how many critic consensus say offers nothing new to the slasher genre because yeah. I feel like that's every single one. Yeah. But I that makes me mad because a lot of the time, well, especially because our whole ranking of the these movies is how well do they fit into the formula of the slasher genre. But, like, that's not necessarily a bad thing, people. If it offers nothing new... What's the matter with having a movie that's like oh, other good movies? Yeah, no. I, I don't I, get that. that. I hate that critique. Offers nothing new. If it's just a retelling that's still fun, who gives a shit? Like, there are so many movies that don't offer anything new. Like, I am a huge fan of the Marvel movies. All of them. A lot of them don't do anything new. Like, the ones that do are the ones that stand out. Like, you you got your Guardians, you uh-huh. know, um, and then, like, Black Panther or, like, Captain America Winter Soldier because that was the first one where you're like, oh, this is, like, a spy movie. It's, like, a Mission Impossible movie but in a superhero film. But, like, a lot of them are just retreads because yeah. they're superhero f- stories. But if they're fun, who cares? It's the same thing with every Fast and the Furious and Mission Impossible movie. And guess what? Those movies are hugely successful because they just they go this is what people like it's fun let's do it again but different yeah (laughs) and and it works so who cares i i hate that yeah the only the only time that offers nothing new is if it's a bad movie that's just which we've run into doing this show is that if it's a bad movie that's just taking cues from other movies but doesn't do it successful. Mm-hmm. So the only thing that would make it successful is it offered is if it offered something new. Right, exactly. But if it is good and fits in line with the genre, that's not a bad thing. Also, if everything offered something new, we'd run out of new things. Like, it, you, there's only so much. Oh, but, you know, of course, nobody wants to do anything new. There's no new ideas in Hollywood. Oh, yeah, I hate Everything's like that. a remake or based on a book or blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I'm not a fan of the remake critique either. Of people always like, oh, it's a remake. I'm like, dude, I don't care because it's a different person now. Like, yeah. I don't enjoy, there are remakes I don't like, and they're usually remakes that don't do anything different. I'm like, if you're remaking the movie and doing nothing different with it, like, I don't think it's necessary. But, like, at least, like, with a lot of these remakes in the 2000s. I can't think of any that are, like, just the same movie. No, and like some of them are worse. Prom Night is way worse than the original yeah. Prom Night, but like most of these are very different takes. Like, and even whether you like it or not, like I don't particularly enjoy Rob Zombie's Halloween movie, but that movie at least is very different. Like Rob, yeah. Rob took the source material. Was like, okay, I'm gonna do it through my lens, um, and that's and what also, I enjoy. It came out in a much different time. Mm-hmm. This movie, that you know, 
some of the critiques I have about it are a lot of the dialogue and a lot of the behavior, but it is, I can't super knock it for it because that is what all movies were like in this time period because it fits in line with movies of this time period of the climate, the way people talk to the way Hollywood movies were done. Maybe that's not how people actually talk to each other, but maybe that's how it's portrayed in these films. Mm -hmm. So that's going to be different than one that was made in 83, like House on Sorority Row. I don't know. It's just really ruffles my feathers. Yeah, no, I agree. And no, I hate that critique, but you're right. We should play a game like because I've seen it so many times now. This poster is terrible. Okay, so the theatrical poster, which I confirmed by looking up pictures from the premiere and they're like standing next to this poster is not the dvd poster which i which is what normally gets passed around is like the dvd artwork i like the dvd yes so this particular poster which i will post on twitter so you guys know what we're talking about and also is always on um our website keepscreaming.com if you go to either the list or if you just go uh, we post every single um episode on the website with like pictures and behind the scenes stuff i always forget to mention that but if you go to our website um every single episode will be up there we'll go over sort of what we talk about and then i post a bunch of photos so if we reference things you can have an idea for it so anywho you will be able to find it on our website and twitter but it's like film strips from a photo booth stacked on top of each other on like a really grungy background And it's just different images of the girls all sort of in peril. And then Sorority Row is typed out over it. (sighs) This looks like a torture porn cover. Yeah, it's bad. And it says, the, the tagline they're using on this is, The sisters of Theta Pi are dying to keep a secret. Which is fine. But, like, it's just not good. It... It looks really low budget. Um, it looks like a different movie. Um, and I, yeah, it looks like a torture porn film, which this movie is not. There's no sex in this movie. There's no nudity. Uh, just kidding. There's a lot of nudity in this movie. But there's oh, no. right in the beginning. Yeah, though. there's no sex. Well, in the shower scene, there's quite a bit of nudity. Oh, yeah, that's true. How I do I know this? Because when watching it, we'd be like, oh, boobs. Because, you know. That's how we react as we're children. Yes, exactly. Anywho, um, yeah, I don't care for this at all. It Mainly because this looks like a, a straight-to-VOD film that you would see, like, at Walmart. And I would have picked it up and been like, huh. Well, typography is fine. It's in a um, serif font that'd be very typical with something that would be used for a sorority with... Um, uh, their lettering systems and everything. It's very traditional. I'm all for that. It does have some, I can't really make it out, red thing in the middle and like a red slash on the bottom. Another problem, when you're designing something, it has to scale. So if you make the type and then it's on a sm- small on a poster and you can't figure out what it is, it needs to not be there because it's just a random red blob when it's small. Poor design. But I do much more like the DVD artwork. It has, like, the girls piled on top of each other, which is also very in time with, like, 
the 90s and ryan is doing some kind of zooming and i'm very confused what he's trying, I'm trying to, do to over see here. what this says in the bottom here oh yeah there's like a little um splatter blog oh it's literally advertising featuring a song by Swayze. oh <laughs> wow because okay. I, I saw it and i was like i saw this little splatter blob with like like i saw the quotes and i was like what is this doing and i was like oh nine i bet for some fucking reason they're promoting it by saying like now featuring this and sure enough, they're, it says, now featuring, or featuring the song Get You Home by Swayze. Interesting. I guess Swayze I, I remember Swayze. Yeah. yeah. He was definitely big at that time. Yeah. Uh, yeah, of the time, guys. But this poster mm. doesn't fit with no. theatrical movie posters of the time. It looks very cheap, and they did a much better job on the physical media release the girls are piled on top of each other like a la any wb tv show of attractive people but they're stacked on top of each other kind of like a pile of bodies i think this poster is on purpose though i think they knew the slasher trend was dying saw came out in 04 so i think they knew and they were trying to be like okay let's trick them let's Let's trick them into thinking that this is like let's like if someone just saw the poster this i mean someone who maybe like saw in hostel it looks like like, a torture film yeah sure yeah i mean like the girls are all undressed and they're screaming and like you know they got their mouths cut out of certain parts of the photos yeah i think for sure that the marketing yeah. was probably like fuck slashers let's, are let's make it not yeah. look like a slasher let's make yeah it look it's like very slasher. possible yeah. or hostile or because this looks like a hostile cover to me yeah um it has a lot of taglines it has two that are just a slight twist on the ones from house on sorority row and i really like that i actually think most of these are really good um so sisters for life and death and for house on sorority row, it was sisters in life, sisters in death. So, I mean, super close. And then Theta Pi must die. And then from the original, it was pledge Theta Pi and die. Really like Theta Pi must die. When your sorority is named that, use it. Yeah. Um, they share a killer secret. That's good. The sisters of Theta Pi are dying to keep a secret, which is the one that they used on the poster. That's funny because that's probably the weakest. Yeah. It's just too long. It is. They lost their friend because of a secret they would never tell. Now their past is coming back to kill them. That one's okay. It's all fun and games until somebody gets stabbed with a tire iron. That's funny. That's funny. I don't know if that's real. I'm like, but it's funny. Yeah. Um, who knows IMDb's list of taglines. Um, and the sisters of Theta Pi have a secret that just won't die. I really like that one too. Yeah. Yeah. Those are good. Yeah. Theta Pi rhymes with like everything. So we yeah. use it. No sequels. It was at the end of the slasher remake. Boom. Not very financially successful. It does set up for a sequel. Yeah. Um, if you wanted to have one, but nothing, no, never got one. Well, we didn't really get, we didn't get sequels to any of these except for Halloween. Like any of these slasher remakes. All. Oh, yeah, no. Yeah, none, none so of them. besides Halloween 2, which we saw how well that did, <laughs> um, it's nothing. Yeah. It's not going to happen. I just want my Bloody Valentine sequel. That's all, man. You know, with the Boys of Suit, in case you guys don't know, and you probably don't care if you don't know, but I'm going to tell you anyways, Supernatural is ending after 15 seasons. That's They're on their sad. last season, and it's really sad. But don't worry, Jared Padalecki is going to be in the Walker, Texas Ranger reboot. Yes. So, Jared Padalecki, instead of being in another Friday the 13th movie, or, I don't know. Anything. Anything. Or... He's going to be in that, which is fine. Hopefully, he'll stop time for movies. Um, 
maybe little fingers crossed that Jensen Ackles will do something else in the genre. But Jared Padalecki was like a little screen boy for a while. Mm-hmm. He yeah. was like a final boy in like yeah. a lot of stuff. He, he Cry Wolf and he was in... House of Wax. House of Wax and he was in... Friday the 13th. Friday the 13th. Yeah, he was definitely a genre guy. Yeah. I mean, also they start, start in a horror TV show for 15 right. years. So they're genre guys. But I'm hoping with Supernatural ending will get them in some horror movies. Yeah, and Jensen Ackles was in My Way Valentine and Depraved. Yeah. Which was an interesting movie. Is that what it was called? Depraved? Yeah, right. De- the, derailed? No, I don't think depraved. It. Are you sure? Yeah. Look it up. Anywho. I think it is. We both watched it, right? We did. I don't think it was called Depraved. Oh, depraved. No. What is it called? Some, it's not derailed. I don't know. It's something like that. It's like a, one of those weird 90s movies. Division. I don't, that's yeah. not a word. I don't know. I'll find it. You keep, okay. you keep talking. So... The director of this film is Stuart Hendler, who did Whisper in 2007. The Devour. Devour. What did I say? You said derailed. No, but then I said something else closer to that. But it was definitely not a real real word. Yeah. Anywho, um, Halo 4, the like TV mini show that was like on Amazon or something. Um, This show called H Plus, 51 episodes, and then 2016's Max Steel. So a few things here and there. I'm still working, um, which is always nice to see, but yeah. n- nothing in the genre. Josh Stolber and Pete Goldfinger were the writing team on this. They both worked on Piranha 3D. Um, Josh Stolber would also write Good Luck Chuck, which was the Dane Cook, Jessica Alba rom-com. And then Big Pete Goldfinger, that one. Yeah, I'll pass. And then Pete Goldfinger did Jigsaw, which was the newest Saw movie until we get the new First fucking... Rock, Samuel L. Jackson Yeah, one. who's doing that? Darren Lynn Bowsman, is it? Is it um, Bowsman again, or is it Lee Winnell? It's no. not Lee, because Lee just wrapped Invisible Man. I think it's Bowsman. Um, but yeah, Jigsaw, Piranha 3D, and then Piranha 3, Double D, which I was also not a giant fan of. Um, uh, no, that was bad. I'm pretty sure it's Bowsman. Um, the score was by Lucian Pian. Um, has done a lot of... Yeah, Lynn Bowsman. It is Bowsman, okay. Um, works a lot. He did. He does stuff for RuPaul's Drag Race, Hairspray, uh, Pretty Ugly People. Um, a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Uh, score's not super memorable. This is one of those movies that had a lot of music in it because yeah, there's like soundtrack. partying a lot. Yeah. yeah so, um, this and the soundtrack, like we said, like we you know we just learned, was advertised pretty heavily. Um, and know. it was. I mean, I recognized. So in two 2000- thousand. Oh, absolutely recognized yeah. it. Yeah. I was in high school at this point, and so like. Ladytron and um, Dragonette and I Likely remember. and all those super big people. I mean, Swayze was big. Camera Steffi Obstera, Ray. Yeah. yeah. I listened to all those bands. Those are definitely super popular. Um, yeah, I definitely felt like when we watched like Prom Night where I'm like, yes, okay. All these are songs or just things that I was listening to in high school during the time. And I mean, I like that. I really liked in valentine how they use like a ton of music too like from mm-hmm. the time period i think all the boys love manny lane use yeah. it efficiently yeah i think it does a nice connection when you're doing teen screams um where you're grounding these characters in a real world which they're going to be listening to music of the time in it there's something about it that makes it them like more relatable when they're listening to music or you're hearing music that yeah. You listen to, well, like, also if that just, makes sense. I mean, it also makes sense. They're, like, they're party girls. Like, it makes a lot of sense for them to constantly be playing music. So yeah. I like that it fits the tone of the movie, too. 
Um, a pretty big cast. Um, I'll just go over the... Um... Oh, you skipped our cinematographer oh, and editor. Uh, Ken Seng uh, was a cinematographer. He's done a lot of big stuff. Yeah. Uh, Project X, Terminator Dark Fate, but also Quarantine and Deadpool. So very like established cinematographer. And then edited by Elliot Greenberg, who has, um, again done a lot of stuff escape plan and fantastic four but also like kind of genre wise he did chronicle and crawl yeah um so a lot of people yeah very like um veteran right which makes sense because the movie looks good oh uh-huh, it does yeah yeah it it's looks ve- very good yeah it's very well filmed and yeah these this is uh, what's special about these movies for me at least is this is when i was first getting into horror um and so it I'm partial to movies that look good because that's what I was used to. Um, and, of course, if the movie is, like, really great and I go back to it, it doesn't matter, um, you know, if it looks older or whatever. But I am I'm definitely have a weakness for a film that's just has great production, production yeah, value. Yeah, big time. Uh, that's another th- weird thing that I think is a... It, it's going away, but it was a knock for a long time. Like, film critics would knock things for being glossy. Yeah. Oh, it's like, oh, it's just a glossy blah, blah, blah. Like, I like glossy. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I know. I'd that. always see yeah. that, and I'm like, oh, okay, then I should watch it because I like glossy Yeah, films. anytime I'd see that, too, I was yeah. like, cool, so I'll like it. Yeah. Awesome. And, like, you know, I enjoy both. Like I was saying earlier, like, Joe Bagos's new Bliss is not glossy at all. It feels very, like, gorilla and, like, DIY but they both have their merits. Well, yeah, and I definitely, I mean, this is a symptom of, you know, budgeting, but if it's a film, like, I personally, which I know I talked about when I watch it, like, I didn't mind Wish Upon, the movie that literally everybody hated, but part of the reason why I didn't mind it is because it looked good. High production value. It was a high production value. Those kills looked really nice. Yeah. Um, and so it's easier for me to find enjoyment when I'm not like going, what the fuck is this like muddled piece of yeah. a movie? So. No, uh, production goes a long way. Yeah. Talk so, to, ask our producer, Brendan Klein, about the movie Blood Lake. He knows. <laughs> yeah, big cast. Uh, Brianna Evigan as Cassidy Tappan, who is one of our final girls. Um, she is in a lot of, uh, she actually did go on to do quite a bit of genre stuff. She was in uh s darko the ill-fated sequel to donnie darko um but also burning bright um which is that movie that was being talked about a lot when crawl came out because it's about being trapped in a house with a tiger mm-hmm. um but also she was in the devil's carnival um and alilea that um which are both uh bowsman kind of spiritual successors to repo the genetic opera she's in the from dust held on tv series so um she bounced around in the genre quite a, quite a bit yeah, Leah Pipes as Jessica Bierson, our, um, like, big mean girl character. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, she's been a bunch of CW stuff. The Originals um, is what she's probably most yes. known for. Yeah. Uh, Rumor Willis as Ellie Morris. Um, she's been in a ton of stuff. Like, The House Bunny was, like, really big. Um, I guess she's on Empire now. Oh, she's on Empire. She's once upon a time in Hollywood. I do not remember. Oh, I do remember that. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, she's, if you watched Mass Singer, she was the lion. She's got a great singing voice. 
um jamie chung as claire Wynn, who's just been in like a lot of like indie tv shows yeah and... she started out she's the real world road rules actress who like transitioned over to hollywood and has actually done pretty well for herself yeah um she's been in grown-ups the hangover series sucker punch she's yeah, a voice once upon in a time big hero six yeah once upon a time she was on yeah. the show the gifted so she's yeah she's done really done, well yeah she's definitely made a career since then um margo harshman as chugs uh, Julian Morris as Andy Richards. A lot of people will know him from also from Once Upon a Time and then Pretty Little Liars. Um, as yeah. Audrina Patridge as Megan Blair from The Hills, which we discussed already. Um, Caroline D'Amour as Maggie Blair. Um, Carrie Fisher as Mrs. Crenshaw, R.A.P. Yeah. Uh, Matt O'Leary as Garrett Bradley, who's also been like in a on that freaking TV shows as well as Matt Lanter um, as Kyle Tyson. He's sort of like a CW kid. He was in the 90210 mm. TV show and oh, Starcrossed yeah, 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 yeah. and, you know, a bunch of shit I've seen. Margot Harshman, by the way, um, if you grew up in the 90s like we did, was on Even Stevens. She yes. is um, Lewis's best girl best friend. Yeah. And I think she has a strange name on that show too, but I can't remember what it was. Probably. Um, this is Tawny. A... That's it. Oh so, yeah, Tawny. Yeah. Yeah, it's a very weird name. Sorry if we have any listeners named Tawny. Yeah. My name is B. I can't really make fun. My uh, name is Common. So <laughs> My name is Ryan. Uh Teen Scream, Campus Horror, speaking to our souls. We yeah, love this these is movies. oh big time. Throw it. You put anyone in like a, a college setting, and I'll watch the shit out of it, man. Yeah. Like I, I love the college setting for anything, except um, for TV shows trying to transition into it. Oh yeah, that doesn't always work super well. Um, Julia Morris, uh, that's the guy who plays Andy Richards. Um, so that's Ren from Pretty Little Liars. He is our killer. Um, his entire motive is that he knows that the girls um, accidentally killed Megan, and he had planned for a very successful um, life with his girlfriend, that's Cassidy, and so his plan is he's going to murder everybody who knows yeah, so that they can- protect her. Yeah, so they can have their life. So it's like, you know, dementedly altruistic. Uh, um, uh-huh. Something is obvious. He's obviously not well. Um, yeah, yeah, I think that's an understatement. I think the motive is fine. It's a little silly. Um, yeah, so it's funny. So we get, we think at this end scene that it's going to be Kyle, mm-hmm. who is um, Jessica's boyfriend. And he has political gains. Yes, his dad is a senator. a senator, and he plans on becoming a senator, and they are will be getting married. They're you know, just graduated, they will be getting married. And so when all the chaos kind of happens, he comes out and is, like, gonna help her. Like, they're in this situation, there's all these dead bodies, and he's like, like, I love you, like, I just told you, like, to keep your mouth shut, like, about all this, and you didn't, so now I'm gonna have to fix it. Um, And, like, we think that he's the killer because he's worried about his political, and then it's not. It ends up being... um, the other guy and i don't know i feel like when we thought it was him i was well it makes more sense when it's him yeah because because then when they do they do they throw a couple red herrings in there because garrett is also a red herring there's the possibility that she lived which is like you know never really a possibility but they throw a couple things in that make you maybe think it and then like 
Yeah, his... so we think maybe Megan's alive and coming back to kill them because they left her for dead. Left her for dead. We think maybe it's Garrett um, who's getting back at them for forcing, for playing a trick on him and making him kill her. And then making him keep quiet about yeah. it. Yeah. Which basically breaks him. Yeah. Um, but, like, the Andy reveal is a little, it's a little silly because, like, it makes more sense for the other. Um, for Kyle. For Kyle to have, the motive is there. Yeah. And it's a actual more, like, I feel like it just has more foundation to it. And, but, whereas Andy's just kind of like, I want a nice life with you. And so I was trying to do like, this I'm nice so, thing for you. It's, it's really more of a, I'm so in love with you. I will do anything. But it's like an obsessive to ma- love. It's yeah. like an obsessive it's a thing. Love. Yeah. yeah. Like I will do anything. Really, it's just him being crazy. His motive is just him thinking that this is what he should do for her. Not really like any motive for himself. It's him being like, okay, the woman I love did something bad, but they forced her to do it. She didn't do anything bad. They forced her into it, so I'm going to protect her from all of these bad people. Yeah. I think it's more like that. I think it would have been more effective if he could play the role or had played the role with a little more mania. Like, if he came at this with, like, the ferocity of Rebecca Gaynard in her legend, I think it would have just been more believable. Well, yeah, and that's, like, one of my favorite reveals of a killer ever because of that reason. Yeah. And I just, Julian Morris is not a good actor. Um, what? I am. No, he's yeah. Not. Oh, he's also in Cry Wolf. Yeah. Yeah. He's the main character in yeah. Cry Wolf. Yeah. Um, he's can't do an American accent to save his fucking life. Oh my life. god, it's it, so bad. Just, just make him make just him make Australian, him Australian, British. British? Just yeah. make him British. Like he he's can't British do on PLL, it. right? Yeah. Yeah. He, just he, keep he probably going. because they're like, oh, all right, yeah, no, this isn't gonna work. This he, guy's a reoccurring character. No, fuck that. He's British. Yeah. There's no way. So it's just. I think that's why it's not so much that the motive isn't good. It's he doesn't play up that I'm yeah. a psycho. I'm so in love with you. It's more like, oh, yeah. Like, yeah. I love you. Yeah. So I, I did this to protect you. It could work if he was just like that, like fanatic. That yeah. Like, 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 I did this for you. You know, like yeah. we've definitely seen it in movies before where like yeah. someone thinks they're doing something for someone. Yeah, he's just not that believable. Mm-hmm. And you know what? He's a pretty face and that's okay. Yeah. That was that's this era, man. Yeah. Uh, it we do have our iconic weapon. So even though the cane is alluded to in this movie, there is a neat scene where a, a like a the bird cane is picked up to use as a weapon, um, in defense. But our killer Andy has a lug wrench, which if you don't know what a lug wrench looks like, it's basically like if you took two tire and irons and taped them together in like an X shape. Yeah. Um, but his is modified to have um like gadgets on it yeah there's much. like gadgets he uses it i mean there's blades on it and yeah. he uses it uh, he throws it a lot um it's pretty cool actually it's yeah, yeah. it's awesome it's, it's a, a pretty dope weapon yeah it's really effective um so basically we and start it ties in with oh yeah how with, with how the, the whole, whole thing prank happened mm-hmm. which i love that yeah because no. he and he wears well, we don't see. He wears it. a graduation gown, essentially. Ascent, like we think. Yeah. Because we see Kyle wearing it, and so they kind of allude to the fact that that's what the killer's outfit is. But we don't ever see him in outfit because that's true. But yeah, by the end of the reveal, he's trying to trick the girls into thinking that he's not the bad guy. Right, and he's also very rarely seen even in the yeah. outfit. Um, the movie starts off like a giant party at Fate of. 
what is it? Feet of pie? Feet of pie. Feet of pie. And, um, and, and the girls all are uh, kind of bitchy to each other. Like, they're frenemies, essentially. Yeah, it's... It was, so... It, that was trendy in this era, uh, era. Like, me and I were talking about it right before we started recording. Yeah, I was and, trying like, to figure out what, ep- what episode. I was like, I know there was an episode where I, like, talked about how I didn't really enjoy how, like, the women talked to each other. And I realized it was Valentine. Mm. Not, these are supposed to be, like, best friends, like, bonded for life. But they're very mean to each other. Like, there doesn't seem like there's any niceness or love in the way they talk to each other. And as a woman, I mean, I don't have any friendships like that, female or otherwise. But I I definitely remember it, it just in all media at this time, it was really painted like, this is what girls are like. You're, like, bitchy and catty. and yeah, no, exactly, and but Mean Girls is like trying to show that's Tina Fey going like this is what oh, it's satire, it looks like. But yeah, like people, but like, like that's took not really it. how yeah. it people are. But that movie came out in like two thousand four or something, and then every single movie decided to act that way too. I also think there's a way to write it like so these girls like rip on each other for their vices, and they're very mean and malicious about it. I think there is a way to write it where it can come off as endearing because like like our friend group rips on each other yeah. for our vices but it's from a place of love yeah it's usually endearing yeah it, the tone is much different yeah than it's the not tone like we're not actually just trying to tear people down for things well yeah so that's that's definitely part of this where it's just like god it just seems off but i'm not gonna knock a movie for no it's the era for doing something that's appropriate in its era and then you know there's quite a few like things that we will never see in a movie again like you walk into this party scene and they have like a girl that's naked and they've circled the the fat they'd like barely their like normal fat to keep you alive on her body and like that's like the one of the first things you see when this movie opens up and there's a ton of jokes about like bulimia and oh yeah and how chugs is like a whore yeah and and like um chugs literally has a line where he says i don't have time to play catch me rape me oh yeah Um, don't love that line they say the r word um so there's definitely like i just want to talk about that and say there's definitely shit in this that doesn't age well but i'm not going to go backwards and knock a film for doing something that was appropriate you can't woke test something from 2009 no with 2019 standards but there's definitely there's a few gay jokes yeah whatever loser it's not my fault that you're gay like just stuff like that that you're like all right well you know we've heard that yeah it's it's like in cry wolf when they said the r word yeah oh don't love that this one too yeah yeah so you know it's just sign of the times and you hear it and you go oh man i'm glad I just take it as a glad that's not the way. Yeah, it's not standard anymore. Yeah, people talk anymore, at least not in movies. So we kick off pretty much um, the plot in the same fashion as the original, but instead, this time instead of pulling the prank on the house mother, it's on. um, They're trying to pull a prank on Garrett, who is the brother of Chugs, right? I don't. I don't think so. I don't think that's ever a storyline, but maybe. think it is her brother what's what's garrett's name garrett i don't think they got last names he didn't get a last name okay anywho if they are brothers then that's fine if not they're just friends but garrett was yeah that's like garrett bradley chugs bradley yep yeah they're brothers yeah brother and sister huh brother and sister chugs is a guy chugs is a girl charlene chugs Oh, yeah, she's the pill. She, she drinks a yeah. ton. Yeah. She's the girl from Even Stevens. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but he was cheating on 
one of them. Yeah. Who's he cheating on? I don't know. They're pulling it's a prank really because he's cheating. And, like, anyway, so basically, Megan fakes that she's dead. She fakes that she um, is, like, having a seizure. And, like, so the girls are fucking with Garrett. So they in, they drive out to this, um, it's like a like a dam a mine i don't know it's not a mine there's a well that they drop her in so i know i know that what the uh, lake yeah it's to a lake it's like in a basically like like an old lake and um they're they're trying to fuck with um trying to fuck with him and like make him think that she's dead and they go it goes too far and he and like they're like no we're gonna dump her body because like we have lives we need to continue and so to make sure that she's actually dead, he stabs her with a tire iron. Well, to make sure she doesn't float when they oh, put yeah, her when in the they water. Oh, yeah, when they float. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. He stabs her with a tire iron in her lungs, and then she starts choking and realizes she's not actually fucking dead. And then all mayhem ensues. The typical overbearing mean girl who these characters are based on the same characters from house on sorority row Mm -hmm. their archetypes are very similar Mm -hmm. so we have our same blonde bitchy mean girl who sort of is like no we're covering this up we're hiding it yeah Um, and our final girl um cassidy wants to come forward like she of course you know wants to be the smart one and go to the police um but this is a horror movie so they won't ever do that and um so cassidy wants to do that but uh Jessica coerces her sisters into saying it was Cassidy's fault. Yeah. They, uh, like, grab her jacket and are, tell her, like, well, we'll frame you. We'll say it's you. Yep. Yeah, they're, like, like they basically go around and, like, don't worry, Cassidy. We won't tell them that, like, you did this. Yeah. And so she is coerced into not going to the police. So we fast forward to eight months later where they are graduating. Um, Cassidy is kind of separate. Cassidy and Ellie, um, that's Rumor Willis's character, have basically kind of separated grown distant from the other sisters ellie was the other one that also wanted to kind of come forward she's like the shy meek like doesn't say anything all she does is scream character yeah so it shows like them graduating and you know andy gives his speech and uh, the girls are all celebrating but um ellie is like kind of quiet and Cassidy's not even with them and um you know the girls are going to throw their giant party which unlike the original um carrie fisher who plays her house mother knows about the party and basically she just like relegates herself to drinking in her room um or i think she even leaves she leaves she's yeah. not there yeah she, but she knows that it's happening um then we get very P- PLL pre PLL or is this right? When when did Pretty Little Liars come on? Around this time, I'll look it up. Yeah, um, but they all get a mysterious text message on their phones, yeah. and it's the video of Megan dying. Um, it's like from her phone actually. Um, so that they uh, or they get a picture of a tire iron. Um, so twenty ten. Oh, yes, just a year later. Um, so they all think it's Garrett because obviously, like, he's the weak link and he has definitely been, like, mentally breaking from having the secret on him, but his sister defends him. They also meet Maggie, who is Megan's younger sister. She's another kind of red herring character. Um, that it could be her because she looks like Megan. Um, they even think, like, when they first see her that it's her. Um, so that's, that, that's what really kicks us off into, like, when our kills start hap- like, our kills from Andy start happening. Um, so Chugs goes before the party to go get her pills, because she's a pill popper, and the way she gets her pills is she has sex with her doctor, um, her, with her therapist. And so she goes, um, over to his apartment, 
and he is handcuffed to the bed from the previous patient and um so she goes to like get ready in the bathroom and also to like take some pills um and while she's getting ready he is killed um he gets the lug wrench thrown into his forehead um and then chugs is killed and it's brutal as shit um she's like drinking wine and the killer takes the wine bottle and shoves it down her throat and the effect is pretty gnarly like her throat gets all hella wide from the wine bottle um and like you can see it and then he cuts her he slits her throat and the blood like bubbles back up into into the bottle it's a pretty effective like kill i actually really liked it um so that's our first of the girls goes down pretty early on Uh, but there's a lot of them so they have to make their way through um uh, the rest of the girls are all getting ready um claire and jessica are in the shower they're talking about the night megan was murdered um and we find out that one of the other sisters, who's, like, not one of the main sisters, um, her name is Joanna. She was also in the shower while they were talking about it. Um, so she now knows that they killed her. Um, and everyone else thinks that she has just gone missing. Um, but the killer shows up and impales her through the jaw with the leg wrench. Um, which I... <laughs> I think it's funny that, like, I mean, I get it. Like, his motive is he kills anyone who knows. But, like, lucky him that he happened to be in the bathroom and see that she heard them have this conversation. Yeah. Um. So I think. Uh, yeah, because maybe it was explained that she knew for a different reason. I mean, I guess that's possible. But. I, yeah, it's... it really seems like because she's. Because this whole scene is, like, one of the girls that's a junior is in the shower and like says something and they're like they throw her out so this girl who's also a junior and knows she's not supposed to be in the senior shower she's hiding because she doesn't want to get in trouble and then she hears them talk about it so it seems like this is yeah it seems like that's like the reasoning behind it yeah um this is also like this is around all this time is when we meet kyle and like we find out his father's a senator and then we also meet andy and we've i think he's a doctor in this or like middle school school or i could be mixing him up with ren yeah, from like, pll ren. yeah i don't know i don't really remember um it doesn't really matter what no he, yeah no no uh i don't and, think we i'm not sure we ever know yeah no um and then the graduation party kicks off um i know claire's ex-boyfriend he's this is um they had like sex in the jacuzzi at yeah, one point. In the hot tub. Yeah, yeah in the hot tub i do remember that happening yeah um but he is um but she breaks up with him um and then he is killed um he has his leg broken with a wooden board mickey that's his name and then his throat is impaled with a lug wrench um through a dumbwaiter shaft that was cool too he's trying to get away in a dumbwaiter and he's like crawling he's trying to crawl down it um and so the killer throws the lug wrench in to stop him from crawling down, but then he takes it in the wall and he um, shoves it through his throat. So he's, like, impaled through the wall. Yeah, and it's, like, really suspenseful because it's, like, a, a slower scene where a lot of these have been, like, really just, like, oh, holy shit. Like, there's just a brutal kill really quickly in this one. is the first one where we really get that anticipation of we know they're slowly going to freaking slit his throat mm-hmm. this, is good. this is when they all get the video text message of megan's death um telling them to go back to the lake the mine shaft um and when they arrive garrett is there and he has definitely like kind of broke psychotic like mentally broke um he has slit his own wrists um and he's threatening to go forward with the information yeah and um 
Jessica hits him with the car, and then they realize, like, he actually had already started the process of killing himself. Yeah, Um, and and they also find his phone and realize he got the same text as Yeah, so it wasn't him. Um, And then I believe this is... Yeah, this is when they start to think Megan's the killer because they don't. They go down into the shaft. Yeah, yeah. They go down in the shaft to prove that she's dead and her body's missing. But there is a message scrawled in blood that says Theta Pi must die, which I really like. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I love that they threw that tagline in there. And um, I don't know. I like when killers entice people. Mm-hmm. I guess. Well, yeah, and it's what makes like you know a big part of the slasher because you know a lot of times we'll be watching movies and people are like, well. Is this a slasher? I, I forgot to mention in the pop culture check-in that I watch Ma. Oh, yeah. Um, and just talking with, um, I watch it with my friends Derek and Gina and my husband, and they're like, well, is like this considered a slasher? And I'm like, it definitely has slasher tropes and elements. I was like, but it's not a, it's, I wouldn't consider it a slasher. I would just say it has slasher elements. Um, and it's part of the fun and what makes slashers like my favorite subgenre is this sort of like the stalking part of it the fucking with the people and slowly killing them one by one that's the whole it's the whole driving force behind them mm-hmm. and so when they do things like this in movies where it's really them like fucking with the characters, the text messages and the, the blood in the cave and the things that are, you know, really over the top, right? It's not just like, oh, here you are, I'm going to kill you. All right, and I'm going to find the next person to kill. That's what makes it so fun. Mm-hmm. And so it's scary. Genuinely makes it scary. Um, no, I totally agree because we even had the conversation about Us because I actually read an article yeah. recently that called Us a slasher movie and same thing. has slasher tropes. Yeah. Um, but I wouldn't The driving it. force behind it is not a slasher. Yeah. Um, the girls head back to the house where, where the party is now over. Um, they have – they now know that Chugs is dead and then um, Claire is the next one to be killed. She is actually shot in the mouth with a flare gun, um, which is another – solid kill uh, and this movie is rated r it has a um it was going to be toned down to pg-13 because prom night did so well for summit um but yeah claire like goes in the backyard that's like overcome with like bubbles and then um it's you know like um cassidy finds her and it's pretty gross like her throat and like the inside of her cheeks are melting from the flare gun there's some poor cgi in this towards the end but this one is done pretty well with like, yeah bubbles on i actually face. most of the kills are pretty savage yeah um like they don't really pull their punches with them um they also find maggie in the house and she admits that she's been having sex with kyle um and then um they all start fighting and then, uh, but they like know they for sure know that like there's a killer because they know Chugs is dead and they find Claire dead. Um, so they confess to um, Megan's murder to Mrs. Oh, Crenshaw yeah. and Maggie. Like yeah. Maggie's there while they confess it. Um, Mrs. Crenshaw's in the house with a shotgun. Yeah, it's like one of the lines that I like because they're going. Um, she's pissed that they destroyed her house. Mm-hmm. Um, and she says, I saw what you did. And Jessica says, we didn't mean to kill Megan. She said, kill Megan. I was talking about trashing my house. 
So here they are in like complete hysteria. I mean, it doesn't really matter if they confess at this point anyways, but I thought that was like a fun moment because she's like, what? Oh, no, that's not what I was talking about. My house is destroyed. Yeah, I actually usually like admission of guilt like in those ways because I think it's very realistic. I mean, yeah. it's guilty conscience. And yeah. so like you're like, I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to do this yeah. thing. And then like, I, I mean, I enjoy that most things. Some people are like, what thing? It's like, Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> um, Never mind. But Mrs. Crenshaw's a total badass. She has yeah. a shotgun, and she start, She tells the girls to lock themselves up and that she's going to, like, take care of this. So she starts looking around the house for the killer. Um, Mrs. Crenshaw, like, gets down into the kitchen, um, and although she takes some pot shots at him, he does end up killing her as well so she's got poor aim yeah she does have really bad aim. um yeah, and i always if we watch something with ben my husband i always ask him how many rounds because he knows a lot about guns so i always ask him like okay how many rounds would be in there he said uh you know maybe i forget what he said for this one but maybe nine i think and so we counted and sure enough she ran out at nine and i love that because nothing makes me more upset when it's like Something so silly mm-hmm. that shouldn't be an error. Like, if they just would have paid attention to the detail that, obviously, she wouldn't be out after, you know, three shots. It legit annoys me. It doesn't happen so much now, but in, like, 80s, 90s action movies, like, a lot... Dude, people are just shooting guns, like, handguns, forever. And I'm like, no, I'm sorry. That gun you... does not have 20 bullets. Yeah. <laughs> like, you can't just keep shooting that gun. Um, but Mrs. Crenshaw is pushed against the wall of the table and then impaled, um, through the back with a harpoon, the harpoon lug wrench. Uh, this is also when we kind of get, like, our Kyle red herring. Um, Kyle shows up and, like, he does his whole thing about how it makes it sound like he was kind of the killer. Um, but, um, is not. And then also, I think that, yeah, the house is on fire by this point, too, because... (laughs) Because Maggie decides, uh, or because the killer tries to kill Maggie with a Molotov cocktail. Yep. Um, so the entire house is on fire, which makes for a pretty cool, like, ending scene, honestly. Like, with everything on fire all around them. Um, but I think, yeah, so Kyle's the next to die. Um, and he is killed. His is also, it, he's, I mean, he's just hit in the back of the head with an axe, but it's pretty solid practical effects. Or is it, I don't think it's CG, right? I oh. thought it looked pretty good. By the way, I don't think any slasher movie should, yeah, it's practical, um, should ever use CG for its kills because it will probably look really bad. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, this is where we get our reveal because we all think it's Kyle at this point and then Kyle is killed. So we're like, oh shit, it's not Kyle. I mean, and B and I had both seen this before, but we had completely forgotten. Yeah, I had zero memory. Yeah, so we- This is why we watched it. Yeah. Um, so Andy kills Kyle, and even then he kind of, it kind of seems like he might still not be the killer, like it could have been Kyle and Andy was saving, um, Jessica, or saving Cassidy, but no, he reveals his whole plan. Um, he had hoped for a bright future, but when he found out about Megan's death, he decided to just kill everyone so they could still have their bright future together. Um. that's how life works. Yeah, and he found out from Ellie, because yeah. Ellie was, you know, as we know, was the other one who wanted to go forward, and she just couldn't hold on to it, so, um like ellie is the one that told him that set this plan into the motion um so he like needs to kill her now she is next on yeah and his like killer reveal like he goes into like 
literally why he killed everybody. Like, this is how they found out, and so-and-so told so-and-so, and so-and-so told so-and-so, and yep. that's why they're all dead. Yep. Yeah, it's very, like, evil villain monologue. Yeah, which is my fave. Yeah, no, I, I super love it. I just wish would have executed it better, but I love, please, pour your heart out. That is, like, true Scooby-Doo villain fashion. Mm-hmm. Um... Cassidy lies to him and says, like, she plays along with it and says that she's going to help him and that Ellie's in the basement, but she's upstairs. So she actually goes to get her and get out, but Andy comes back um, and attacks them. Um, And then there's, like, we get this whole kind of final sequence, um, and it's, like, Ellie, Maggie, and Cassidy are all still alive. Um, And there's, like, this, this whole, like, kind of fight scene downstairs. Um, Jessica is also still alive at this point for a while, but she gets killed as well. Um, she's impaled to the wall with the spear lug wrench through her mouth. Um, lots of wall, like in the Mm -hmm. wall. I guess that's what happens when you have like a spear type item though. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's this whole kind like kind of final showdown where all the, all the girls do have to like stick together to really make it through. Um, Andy's about to kill Cassidy, um, and her bracelet ends up saving her because it, um, like, she's, like, she ends up, she's falling through the floor, but her bracelet catches on a nail, and so it's, it's what makes it so she doesn't fall through, um, and Ellie finally shows up and shoots, um, Andy with Mrs. Crenshaw's shotgun, so he falls and this is the bad cgi he falls yeah. into flames and it looks like he's falling into hell uh-huh. this is a house on fire it looks like he's falling into the Just pits of hell um <laughs> and then um maggie who is also still alive that is megan's sister and ellie save cassidy and they escape just as the fire department arrives yeah um, and then we get our tease at the next movie. Of course, Maggie is now running, like not running the. She's yeah. She's in the sorority. She's in the sorority, and a man walks up, and we see his wrists are cut. So it's implied okay. that Garrett is still still alive. alive. Yeah. So we have three final girls in this actually. Yeah. Um, we have Cassidy, Ellie, and Maggie. Um, Cassidy's your typical, you know, final girl actual trope, um, and then Ellie and Maggie are sort of like along for the ride. I actually think Ellie's a better character arc. Yeah. Um, she has to overcome, like, Well, a lot and of... she gets the final kill. Yeah. And, yeah. like, Cassidy's character... But here's the problem. All these characters are pretty shallow. Yeah. There's not a lot of depth. No. Um, they're stuck with tropes, and that's pretty much it. And, like, Cassidy is really given, like, no depth. Uh, honestly, like, we get way more depth with Jessica. Uh-huh. Um, like, we see her Jessica's my her favorite own. character in this movie. I mean, she's horrible, but she's interesting. Yeah. We see her on her own with her boyfriend. We see yeah. her meeting her boyfriend's father. Yeah. We see her, like, um, like all these things. Um, she's, like, definitely, like, the alpha of their group. Um she but yeah um cassidy is fine but she's a vessel to tell a story like she doesn't have any real character development there's we have no motivation there's no like yes she is the girl who wanted to come forward and tell so she's the most morally righteous but she's not interesting no the only thing we hear is like oh i think it's really great you've been doing all this volunteer work so we just find out she's been doing a lot to try and like redeem herself yeah Yeah. make herself feel better yeah i i mean i honestly almost even think maggie's a more like interesting character like because she has the whole like 
she's trying to figure out what happened to her sister, and then she... She's also trying to be the new alpha yeah, she Yeah, so Literally I Literally by sleeping with the current alpha's boyfriend. Right, so I even think she ends up being a little more, and then, like, what... She, they just are given more. Yeah, and it's kind of cool, like, it is kind of cool, too, that she is, she is genuinely interested in being a sister, so she, like, even though she's not in the sorority, that she is still, like, she considers her, like, she's saving her sisters. Um, so, I mean, I don't love... I don't love any of them, but I no. do think that um, Ellie and Maggie are more interesting than Cassidy. But it's I do actually enjoy, especially since we have such a large cast, I do like that we get as many kills as we do because we end up getting a nine kills. Um, well, eight. Eight, um, and then our killer and then our initial accidental death. But eight kills, and they're pretty, like, savage. Mm-hmm. Um, they're all on screen. Yeah, and we can still have three characters left over yeah like i mean i uh, yes i love the final girl trope but also it's nice when more than one character lives all, mm-hmm. all the time so i don't i don't completely hate that aspect of it at all um what's your favorite kill um hmm. mine is definitely chugs the wine bottle one yeah i just i really like the effects on it i think it's gross how her throat gets all fat from the wine bottle and then i enjoy the like slashing of the throat and gurgling blood back up into it yeah and then sort of you know that real slasher element of having it it's to do something yeah Yeah. i think i'm gonna have to go with mickey's death um where he is trying to escape, and then it's, like, the more slow and suspenseful because the, like, wrench goes through the wall. And right. And slowly, and it's it's a gross image. Like, you don't see the slitting of his throat. Like, you see the blade coming to his throat, and then the angle of his head, like, all the blood drips, and it drips into his eye and comes down off his eyelash. Yeah, it's pretty gross because um, it's, like, he's hanging upside down, yeah. so it drips, like, from the bottom of his eye to the top. Yeah. Um, and so I like that and I liked the, like, I enjoy the Creed, like, I love the first kill because I had forgotten about it too. And so when he just turns around and then he just stabs her straight and then she's like, holy shit, I was not expecting that to happen. Yeah. Um, so it like really gets you and you guys know I'm like a sucker for the first kill that sort of knocks it out. But I do like the, that this is sort of the one kill that kind of takes its time and isn't just so like stab yeah yeah dead. yeah the rest of them are very like visceral and like um yeah i can't think of the word i'm trying to say it's too late yeah, in the evening it's very for me. fast um, yeah sure very, fast yeah they're very quick um brutal but this one's a little slower and methodical yeah and i liked the trivia that you know there's a scene in the beginning where Mrs. Crenshaw gives all the graduating seniors like bracelets to com- commemorate like their time together and Jessica, being, like, the bitch that she is, is like, oh, I'll fuck this piece of, like, shitty jewelry, blah, blah, blah. Um, and so Jessica, Chugs, and Claire all toss out their bracelets. Um, and Cassie and Ellie wear the, theirs, and they're the ones who survive. So I liked that little tie-in, too. I mean, I think, in general, they did for, like, for a movie of this time, like, especially when comparing it to, like, Prom Night, I do enjoy that they did a good job with sort of that genuine theme of sisterhood and solidarity and like how far will you go to protect people that you're, you know, friends with and Mm -hmm. sort of are supposed to have this bond with, Mm -hmm. even if you don't think that's the right thing to do. Um, 
I I think that that story arc, you know, does pretty well in this, um, considering that's a subplot, 100%. I mean, I guess it's not really a subplot because it is what's going to drive, like, Ellie to, you know, do to drive all the characters to do what they're going to do and establishes them, but... It's a motif. Yeah, I like it. And I think that it could have easily not been an element and i think it's what makes this a better like more well-rounded movie yeah um there are some cool like references to to the old movie that we'll touch on before we like get to the end of the episode um we did bring up the cane already which is an homage to the original house on sorio mrs slater's cane um there's also mark rossman who was the writer producer and director of the original who executive produced this one um the the university is called rossman university and then uh, there is a moment where a frat boy declares himself a sea pig, which is also what one of the students who jumped in the pool declares yeah. himself. Um, so they did like, um, I enjoy that. I really do like nods to originals. I think it's very respectful. I do too. Yeah. It's very respectful. And, you know, they're saying like, okay, yeah, we exist because that, that film existed. And then also for fans, it's really nice Mm-hmm. to like have that and be like oh my god yeah i know that the weirdest piece of trivia is that several of the music tracks um that are in the background during dialogue are from the sims 3 um if you change the stereo so i don't know if any of you guys play sims but when you have like the radio on you can pick stations which i used oh, to do boy. all the time so you can play like rock or like jazz or they have a few different stations so apparently the custom station this is the same music you know some like some person who's in charge of like some sound editor was just like they're like we just need like some background music like i got the i got this shit i got this they were just like playing sims 3 and they're like this works yeah i love it um position in the horror landscape it's at the tail end of the like slasher remake boom um b very accurately describes it as oh yeah i remember seeing that in high school Mm -hmm. it's pretty accurate yeah and he's like oh yeah yeah i remember that but you know yeah um I like this movie. Yeah, I think me it's too. fun. I think it's well made. I like the kills are solid. Um, I definitely think that you know if it had come out earlier in the slasher boom, it would have done better. Yeah, I think, I think people so were just kind of burned by then, and also Summit just wasn't quite what the other like companies that were putting these out were either. No, so it didn't have the same kind of and like, you know really shitty poster. <laughs> Yeah, no. I don't know what the trailers were like. I'd be interested to look back. Yeah, on we those should look. We see. should look at trailers. Yeah. Um, see how they marketed this. Um, I I don't really remember. I mean, I remember seeing it in theaters. I remember renting it. I specifically remember watching it before I had to go into work. Um, but and I remember the funny thing is I remember not liking it, um, and I haven't mm-hmm. seen it since. Um, but I was like, oh yeah, that wasn't very good. And then, so I'm not sure what about it at the time that didn't sit right. Might have been because it felt like, you know, maybe that critique was accurate in the fact where I felt like, man, okay, I've seen this already. Like, I'm tired. I've just watched, like, five movies just like this. Maybe that's it. You know, maybe time has been kind to it. Um, Maybe I just am easier in movies. But I, I, I... watch it i'm like oh my god like i was not expecting to like this and i thought it was good like i enjoyed it yeah no it's and this is another one we watched with a group of friends my brother was in town and like everyone liked it they had fun with it um so at the end of every every episode we do rank all of our movies which you can find at keepscreaming.com slash the dash list 
Um, this will be a our 48th movie. We're coming up on 50. Looks like t- the Town the Dreaded Sundown reboot, remake, prequel, whatever the fuck you want to yep. call it, is going to be um, our number yeah. 50. I am um, looking at right around a lot of the other movies from this era. Uh, you know, right around 20. Kind of like the Black Exodus, My Super Psycho, Sweet 16, Most mm-hmm. Likely to Die, All the Boys Love Mandy Lane, like right around there. Mm-hmm. And I think it's probably not as good. It might be better than Most Likely to Die. So we get... They're very similar. Yeah, they are. So, and this is actually really similar to Black Xmas, too. Mm-hmm. Um, just less, you know, background. Black Xmas spends a lot of time on the background of the killer. And this, mm-hmm. obviously, we get nothing from our killer. Um, so, you know, we have big tropes. We have our prank gone wrong. We have our, you know, flash forward, time has passed. Yep. Um, we have, you know, the, the secret element. We have, um, you know, the stalking, the kill by kill, the themed, the iconic weapon, the sort of themed kills in line with that because they do um, have to do with the whole car like situation um, and how Megan was killed with a tire iron. Yeah. We have um, a bunch of red herrings. People could possibly do it. Um, all of those, and those, that's the part I, and I think all the red herrings in this are actually like pr- genuinely good. Oh yeah. Um, they're, they're, especially cause you and I both didn't remember who the killer yeah. was. And so I knew it wasn't Kyle or I knew it wasn't Garrett, but there was a legit moment where I was like, Oh, I think it is Kyle. And then also if you were seeing this for the first time, very easy to believe that it could be Megan as well yeah. or Maggie as well. Yeah. Yeah. The sister for yes. sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and so I liked that aspect of it. But, you know, when we're looking at, you know, say, you know, all the boys love Mandy Lane or most likely to die, we're lacking in, I think our killer is not interesting mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. at all. And I think it doesn't lean as hard into theme stuff as it could. Yes, correct. Especially because it's fine if you don't have theme killings. It's not necessary. Yeah. But when you hint at it. Yeah, already. Yeah, because I think, like, Black Xmas has wonderful theme killings yeah um and then i think my super psycho sweet 16 has fantastic kills yeah. um and i think all the boys love manny lane is just a better movie it's just I well mean, this is the situation where it does do something different yes so it it sets it up like a slasher yes. and then at the end all of a sudden we're like oh wait it's not a slasher i mean it is but the opposite of what right. we thought it was going to be but then this whole leading up to it still feels like a stock and slash right so i think it, we're looking at like right around most likely to die so do you think this is better than most likely to die um i think so i do too I think the the kills in this are really good. And this is, again, where I'm going to say, like, the gloss helps yep. for sure. Yep. Because Most Likely Die is an indie horror film. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the gloss on this helps. The killer in Most Likely to Die is not interesting. Nope. Um, neither is the killer in this. But then I think our final girl is more interesting. Um, and then the actual tropes that mm-hmm. are used mm-hmm. are used better. And I enjoy, like like you pointed out, the sisterhood theme. Yeah. Um, and I do enjoy the kills in both. Um, uh-huh. But, yeah, I love But I do agree, like, yeah, I think Most Likely to Die is weaker, but just barely. Yeah. Because um, I do they're, still they're really enjoy that movie. Yeah, me too. Um, cool. So, Prom Night. No, Prom Night. 
Uh, <laughs> Sorority <laughs> Row from 2009 is going to be our new number 20. Sorority Row. Um, I, was, I said prom night because prom nights are 21. Um, which will now be our new number 22. Do you have to go in here and change these numbers every time? Yep. That sucks. Yeah. I'm sorry. It's okay. B is, B is the workhorse of this whole show, guys, just so you guys know. Yeah, I say I try to say it as often as I can because it's completely true. But yeah, I spend a lot of time on the website every week, so you should visit it. it yeah. Yeah, our friend Derek was like, I didn't realize you put all the stuff on the website. I'm like, yeah, we mentioned the list, but we don't ever really mention the other stuff. And... We haven't talked about it on our normal episodes, um, but we are covering American Horror Story, the new season. So this is our first episode. We have two episodes of it out already. Just cray cray. Yep. Um, So American Horror Story 1984 is the newest season of the show, and they are taking a 80s slasher approach. And so we are covering every single episode this season. Yeah. Um, So we've got two episodes up. um, Shows on FX Wednesdays at 10 o'clock. Um, if you want to watch this season, um, here's your PSA that it is slasher themed. So that is why we are covering it. Um, yeah. And so it's just fun. They're like short episodes, like 40 minutes or less of us just sort of going over the episode, what tropes they use and what craziness we think is going to happen. Yeah. So make sure to check that out. We're having a lot of fun with it. And then, um, you know, if, again, if you want to follow along, we will be watching both of the town that dread sun, both of the towns that dreaded sundown. I guess whatever, however you want to say that. Sure, those movies. Um, but yeah, uh, we'll be watching both of those for October. Those are going to be our October movies this year. Um, and then maybe we're going to get out of our, I feel like we've been doing a lot of originals and remakes this year, which is fun. I like it. Oh, I mean, thanks yeah, nice, I mean, I like it too. But yeah, um, I don't know what we're doing for Thanksgiving. I mean, we, for like November, because we definitely know we want to do some Christmas stuff for Christmas. We're going to yeah. stay in theme as much as possible, but we did Blood Rage already, so... Yeah um yeah you know like Maybe we'll do some weird oddball stuff for yeah, November. yeah we'll figure we'll figure something out for november yeah. but we'll let you know as soon as we know and you can follow along if you want with both of those towns that dreaded sundown um that's going to be our october stuff um i'm doing a 31 days of uh halloween uh like theme this year oh, yes. um our producer uh brennan klein who is one of the hosts of the queer wolf podcast um well, because of Queer Wolf, the podcast that he's on, I picked 31 movies that they have, they've covered like 50 now. Um, I picked 31 that I haven't, I either haven't seen or I'm not as familiar with. I tried to stay away from the ones that I've seen a lot of. So like Lost Boys and Jennifer's Body. Uh, even though I love those, I'm trying to watch more things I haven't seen. So I'm doing a, uh, a queer Halloween. Um, so I, my list is on my Twitter. You can find it there and I'll be posting and I'll be like tweeting about that. But that's one of the themes. If you guys have anything you're doing, uh, let us know and we'll talk about it on the show. That'd be awesome. And until then, keep screaming.